Pecker's my nice movie. I had to go in front of the MPAA. They said we couldn't use the title. And I gave, I thought, a pretty good speech, because I've always wanted to be a lawyer, where I said things like, what angry child ever carves the word pecker in his decks? No sexist men say, suck my pecker to a woman. Uh, you know, and then I thought, how about Free Willy? You allowed that in London. Uh, how about Shaft? And I named all these movies, and they were just looking at me. And then they said, OK. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astro Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. I can laugh when things ain't funny. <laughs> Happy go lucky me. Yeah, I can smile when I ain't got no money. <laughs> Happy go lucky me. Well, Mary, I hope you got your pit beef sandwich and your pubic hairs all trimmed up because you've come to the right place. We're going to talk about John Waters Pecker tonight. Pecker, Pecker. His name is Pecker. Give me a pose. Give me some candy. Oh, honey, no. No, 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 that's enough chocolate. Say sugar. A small town boy with big time talent. You might be this tomorrow, you know that? You're crazy. You see art when there's nothing there. Who's just looking for his big break. Let's hear it for Larry the Luckhead. Larry's 21 years old. Currently makes his living as a burglar. I can't figure out what this one is. I kind of like it. You might make a real career out of this. How much? You're going to buy it? Yeah, because I love your look. And I'd love to give you a show at my New York gallery. Now the New York art world can't get enough. Pecker. They really are something special. The Whitney Museum wants to schedule a peek at Pecker. To Pecker. We're all famous. Are you homosexual? Uh, no, I'm not. You wouldn't understand that. He's going from rogue. Show me down and dirty. To Vogue, Edward Furlong, Christina Ricci, Martha Plimpton, Brendan Sexton III, Ming Stoll, Patricia Hurst, Mary Kay Place, and Lily Taylor in the new film directed by John Waters. Supermodel! Pecker. Mother of God. Seeing how it's been a while since you've been on the show, Amanda, why don't you give our listeners a quick synopsis as to what is John Waters Pecker about? Okay. Uh, Pecker, starring Edward Furlong and Christina Ricci, follows a young gentleman who is an amateur artist who gets discovered by a New York City uh, art dealer. And his world is kind of turned upside down because he takes pictures of these kind of candid family shots and the art world. Uh, interprets it pretty negatively. Yeah, they find it to be quaint mm -hmm. when it's Insulting just... Insulting yep. and, and belittling. Yep. And it turns Pecker's life upside down. Exactly. We're almost at the end of our John Waters experience here, folks. And we are on what some would consider, quote-unquote, the downward slide of John Waters. Now, I never thought as much because I've always liked all of the movies after um, Serial Mom, but a lot of people tend to think negatively about John Waters' Pecker. It's going to be fun to try and say that over and over and over again tonight on this episode, which was the intention that John Waters had. Now, this in my mind, kind of goes back to some of the irreverent old school humor of John Waters, where the vast majority of it is based on crude humor. Now, Seth, what do you think about John Waters Pecker? I didn't know what to expect going in. I'd never seen it before watching it for this episode. So uh, I knew it would be more Hollywood mainstream, but he did go back to some of the, the old school, not quite shock gags, but 
you know, going for the the gut a little bit. Uh, close up shots of Bush. Uh, as he like to put it, happy Bush, happy pubes. You know, some religious humor thrown in. Lots of angry shouting characters. It was a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't love it. Well, it, it's the first time in about four or five movies where he's very explicitly showed gay characters and showed gay situations and talked about genitalia in the way that he has. Probably since almost desperate living, to be honest. Angelique, what did you think of this kind of revert back to some of the grindier elements of John Waters? Well, I mean, it kind of was seemed to be a little autobiographical, really. So I kind of, I, I enjoyed it, um, especially the whole teabagging <laughs> discussion. Hey, Larry, no teabagging. You know the rules. No balls on foreheads. Teabagging is forbidden here at the Fudge Palace. Oh, you teabag a customer one more time, Larry, and Mr. Nelbox will fire your ass. It was funny. This, this isn't one of my favorites. Like, I, I've only watched it just a couple of times or the others I've watched, you know, can't even count. But I mean, it was a good throwback, you know, in a more mainstream kind of way. Not one I'm going to watch, you know, 8,000 times like I have, you know, Serial Mom or Pink Flamingos or, um, you know, one of the upcoming ones, Dirty Shame. Um, but, it, you know, I enjoyed it in a way, you know, it was kind of, you know, miniature John Waters story. You know, you get big and then things kind of backfire, but then you come out on top again. So it's a feel good story. With The funny thing is when you say that, that it's sort of autobiographical, um, John Waters in many interviews would go on to say that actually this has, he, he didn't intend this to have anything to do with his life whatsoever um, because he, he envisions the, the character of Pecker who's played by Edward Furlong to, to be kind of, the the ultimate artist because he's naive and he's talented and cute but doesn't recognize this at all he just is um andrew do you see a lot of john waters in uh the pecker character yeah i do i i, I think that um to me when i when i watch pecker i see him as a symbol of the kind of naive approach the naive person that John Waters was going into film in his earlier movies and uh, kind of what it, you know, what it was to become a famous underground filmmaker. Right. Um, I, I actually loved some of the aspects of the, the first act of this film where we see Pecker going through the streets of Hampton, uh, which is Seth, correct me if I'm wrong, is is a suburb of uh, Baltimore, correct? Uh, it's a neighborhood in Baltimore. Okay. Um, and Pecker is just going around, just literally snapping pictures of everything. There is not one thing that he doesn't take his camera out and snap, which leads me to wonder how he got any good photos <laughs> to, to, in, in the entire uh, photo or the, the art gallery at the, at the sub shop, the sub pit that he works at are literally nothing but photos that he had taken in the opening credit sequence that we saw. Right, right. But uh, I, I, I did like that, you know, they, they portrayed this character as somebody that wasn't doing it in order to get, famous it's just what his love was and he just felt compelled to do it what did you think of the the pecker character oh the pecker oh yeah. i liked it i liked the movie on a whole and i liked i liked pecker's character. Did, did you like edward furlong as pecker yeah it didn't bother me we had derek and i were laying in bed and he said that um he had a tough time with edward furlong as pecker a little bit um, that it felt a little forced or, or cringy or something, I think was mm -hmm. the word you used. I didn't feel that way. If anything, I felt that way about Brandon Sexton's character. Why? That's interesting. Oh. I thought Brandon Sexton felt so natural as his uh, kleptomaniac buddy. Oh, yeah. I, I, he yeah. just looked like some scumbag that would go around and steal things just for the hell of it. I think it was the scenes that felt cringy to me were the scenes where they were kind of forcing him to be this super desirable um you know bad boy because he's like 
yeah, he's a bad boy, but he's not particularly attractive. But I thought that was some of the joke was that he, for some reason, he, he thought that because he was a, he was a thief that he should be a sex symbol and he should be getting laid like a rock star. I thought that was kind of the joke. Oh, well, I, it was lost on me, unfortunately. Well, it was one yeah. throwaway line. Yeah. What did everybody think about uh, Sexton and his role as Pecker's buddy? Uh, Andrew? I loved Brendan Sexton. I think he's hilarious. I mean, he's he's played that same kind of guy a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know what he does now as a grown up, but back then, you know, we talked about uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse, which is where John saw him and put him in this movie. And then uh, after that, Empire Records, is, which is uh, my favorite of his roles, Warren. Who the fuck glued these quarters down, man? <laughs> my name's not fucking <laughs> Warren. Fucking Warren. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else can quote that movie too. Um, no, I, I thought he was good. He was almost like a like he walked out of the cast of kids or something like that. I always, for some reason, I always confuse well, Welcome to the Dollhouse with kids. And I always really? think, well, no, not confuse the movies, yeah. but I always confuse that he, he was in it because some of the, he felt like he, you know, he just had that same look. He had that same feel. And I always forget, no, he was in Welcome to the Dollhouse. He's not yeah. in kids because he just has that kind of real, uh, I don't want to be derogatory stunning. just white trashy yeah. kind of, you know. No, yeah. he does. But he's a good he's a good foil for Pecker because Pecker would not work as a goofy John Waters character. The movie wouldn't work if Pecker was self-aware or wide-eyed or in any kind of a way. So you want a guy like that to be opposite of him. Right, right. And I thought, like Amanda said, how I had said that uh, some of Furlong's performance is a little cringy to me. It's mostly because I think of any of the characters in this movie, he is obviously the focal point, but he he has to play this kind of squeaky clean, very innocent character. And I think he overdoes it at times. And it could be some of the dialogue he's given is like the oh shucks kind of dialogue. You know what I mean? It's not John Waters' favorite kind of character to write. In fact, it's very unusual for him to have to write a guy like that. And probably why it feels that way is because that's not what his, you know, that's not what he does. It's not the kind of character. The characters were used to see. Right. Well, because every other character in this movie feels like a John Waters character. They feel very natural. Just a little amped up from normal quirky foibles right you know what i mean yeah that's how i have always interpreted in at least the um the more recent john waters films like serial mom so any of these people if you just stuck them in any town and you in the middle of the united states right now would people wouldn't look twice at them necessarily (laughs) other than they're kind of like at an 11 if you know what i mean you think that yeah, and that's how I feel about all of the like the parental figures in this film. Okay, I don't see them as being yeah, they're too typically pa- over the top, like super crazy, wacky, mm-hmm, out of control, mm-hmm. like um, the sister. Well, who yeah, in the gay bar and whatever else, but um, but they're still a little eccentric. Well, the Pecker, well, they definitely have certain uh, facets to the characters where they were obsessed. Everyone in John Waters films are obsessed with something. Mm -hmm. I think that's a a major character trait to everybody that's in his movies. But of of anybody, yeah, the parents and Pecker are supposed to be kind of just like happy go lucky. Mm -hmm. We love our lives and this is who we are. And we're very unapologetic about it where everybody else in this film are just batshit bonkers. And let's, let's talk about some of these other characters. Angelique of any of the characters in Pecker, who was your favorite? Me mama. See, she's talking. Could be a real miracle. What was it about me mama that you loved? And and tell my, my listeners who me mama was. Uh, me mama is Pecker's grandmother. And I do not know the uh, beautiful woman who, played her i don't know her real life name um but she is extremely catholic pit beef chef works in the front yard (laughs) (laughs) serving beef to the masses and going to mass she just she's just so she's gone she's she's full of grace (laughs) <laughs> well, her her main thing is that, yeah, like as you said, she sells out front of their house because she lives with with Pecker and Pecker's family. It's a big family that all live under one roof. 
in uh, this neighborhood of Baltimore, which is Seth, would you say it's kind of maybe on the lower middle class range? Uh, at that time, yeah, it's kind of um, hipstery, gentrified now. But back then, yeah. yeah, it was kind of a trashier neighborhood. So, so me, Mama has a pit beef stand outside of the house where she sells pit beef sandwiches. Now, Seth, what are pit beef sandwiches? Similar to barbecue, but kind of on the different spectrum. It's uh, kind of just take a metal grate, put some coals under it, and you just blast it it's high heat cooking <laughs> and it chars the outside but leaves the middle kind of medium rare and i it's great it's just a beef <laughs> is it is it charred to shit in any what's way? that sauced or seasoned any any way like a dry uh, generally, on, no, generally you just let the meat go and oh. uh condiments are up to you around baltimore uh horseradish either straight up or with mayo mixed in called tiger sauce <gasps> Tiger sauce. Oh, I've heard of tiger yeah. sauce. Um, I'm not sure if it was named for uh, Towson University Tigers, but it could have been. I don't know. Um, I hate mayonnaise, so I've never had that. But Amen. Amen, brother. Uh, pit beef just straight up on like a Kaiser roll is perfection to me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And this has been just a, a, a Baltimore tradition for Absolutely. forever? For as long as I've known. Interesting, because I have obviously no fucking clue what pit beef is. No. Has anyone here other than Seth had pit beef? I've had it. It was delightful. I was like, I didn't want any of the like the that horseradish or, or mustard or whatever they have with it. Um, but I did take ketchup I found was good on it. Hmm. Hmm. I I am a lover of horseradish, which is a strange considering I don't really like white cream based uh condiments yeah Yeah, but uh never never got any tiger sauce on your pant leg nope (laughs) no tiger sauce on my pant (laughs) (laughs) no tiger sauce from your pet oh my gosh you guys are fucking put your your vagina on the phone so me mama she makes these pit beef sandwiches out front and then uh she is basically convinced because she has this uh, ventriloquist dummy of the Virgin Mary that Virgin Mary speaks through her and anybody that'll sit and listen can go up to her shrine of the Virgin Mary and listen as she puts her hand up its back and uh, makes it say full of grace in the silliest way possible. It sounds like a (coughs) parrot almost. The voice is so high pitched. Like if a parrot would say it. Yeah. Full of grace. I think one of the best scenes in the entire movie is when after Pecker becomes this overnight sensation in the art world for his photographs after um, Lily Taylor uh, takes him and has a gallery showing in, in like New York. Yeah, I've always loved her as an actress that uh, some people because me mama is shown on art forum magazine with with the Virgin Mary. Um, Because that's one of Pecker's uh, various photos that he's taken. She has some visitors from the local Catholic church show up. You're saying that yourself. What do you mean? You heard me, faker. Me, Mama, I need Mary's help. Oh, you have company. This is my grandson, Pecker. Pecker, these are the friends of Mary. Or so they say they're not being very nice to her. We can see her lips moving. It's just a matter of faith, ladies. Here, come on. Shut your eyes and and think of the color blue. Oh, no, you don't. Heretic. Mariolatry is not a joke. I've always loved that scene. And then, well, sadly, so they um, bitch at her and really go crazy on her. And then me, Mama says that the Virgin Mary no longer compels her to speak and um, the Virgin Mary doesn't speak for the rest of the film with the exception of the The miracle at the 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 very end. And I I, I was losing it last night at that scene because me mama looks genuinely so upset. Like she was the keeper of this gift and of this miracle and it was taken away from her and um that was such an insult to her faith and to her her identity and she just looks so upset just 
blown to bits by it. Right. Well, I think her and everybody else that surrounds Pecker and his world are just so genuine about who they are and they don't like hold back. Unapologetic. Uh, very unapologetically themselves that when once they intertwine with the art world of New York City, they feel very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. Because those people were entirely fake and didn't let themselves out in a similar theme that we've seen a million times over now in John Waters films about it's always better to be yourself than to try and be something you're not. It always is the underlying message in almost every single one of these films. Now, Seth, who was your favorite character in Packer? I think it's a little Chrissy. <laughs> sugar. Incorrect. Like nine, nine or ten year old little sugar fiend from hell, but just the sweetest little girl. Uh, no pun intended. Just <laughs> she would do anything for a box of candy. She'd rob the homeless lady. Yeah. Uh, she would beg for a can of soda as Pecker went out the door. Uh, and that was all before the, the Ritalin, the uh, Child Protective Services came and forced Ritalin on her. Yeah. And then she, her love of vegetables was cracking me up. Um, I lost it. One of my favorite scenes, the rolled dollar bill and she starts snorting peas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was hilarious. But yeah, yeah I think she's, she's great. Um, the scene, I think John Waters said, Night of the Living Dead was the influence when she's sitting there with just a bag of sugar, spooning it into her mouth, and the wet sugar is just dripping out. <laughs> it's so, so gross, but so funny and innocent. Little Chrissy, say sugar. Sugar. Oh, I love you, little Chrissy. No matter what. Yeah, I could I could totally like see that character is real because my youngest daughter is very obsessed the same way. If any sweets come near her. Yeah, we keep them very monitored because she turns into a monster fucking demon. (laughs) I never believed that sugars affected children. I have done research in school on this. I've never believed it. And then a three year old entered my life. Yeah, I, I like little Chrissy in this movie. She she's really cute. Uh, uh, Andrew, who's your favorite? I like Shelley the most. Christina Ricci's character. I just uh, I can really identify with um, being the person who's watching uh, one of their friends or somebody they care about. Um, possibly become an asshole in that that one part where because you know i've known a lot of actors musicians you know all, all kinds of people and artists everything and watch the way they change when they get some of that juice you know and um uh there's one part where she says uh please do not become an asshole i beg of you do not become an asshole and you're just like i know shelly dude i know and plus man I was uh, I, crushed, I had a crush on Christina Ricci for many years. I thought she was, oh yeah, you know, um, when she before she um, she got kind of gaunt looking at a certain point around the uh, Black Snake Moon and th- there forward. But uh, around the time of Buffalo '66, anybody remember that one? Oh, uh, Buffalo '66 yeah, made the op- fall in love with her for many years. Yeah, many, no, the, op- many the opposite years. of sex. Also, um, just. Uh, yeah, so I I liked her for that reason, but plus I just I thought she was the most normal person in the movie. It was pretty, it was neat. I mean, in a in in what could arguably be John Waters' most normal story, most normal story, but most of the characters are pretty bonkers. They'd have place. to be <laughs> to balance that out. They'd have to. Ab- absolutely. I liked Christina Ricci's character mostly because uh, when she she was so dedicated to her work at the laundromat, like she yes. could not fathom anything outside of that laundromat. But that part where she, right now, I know it. She had that anxiety <laughs> breakdown at that dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Being away from work for too long. I should be at home in my laundromat doing my job. I'm sure it will be okay. You don't know what my customers are like. They wait for me to go out of town so they can defy my rules. You're just imagining things. They could be pissing in my dryers as we speak. It's going to be. Oh, yeah. And the entire time, she's just looking at this chick who could give two shits about anything she's saying. Yeah, the the lady's trying to calm her down, talking about, you know, it's like, I'm sure it'll be fine. 
<laughs> they're pissing in the- <laughs> they're pissing in the dryers right now i know it oh my god she's just screaming at this people she loves that job but, but she, she just screams at everyone in the fucking laundromat the whole time she's also kind of lo- losing her identity in that, that setting you know and so she's she's grasping for a foothold because she becomes just pecker plus one you know yeah some yeah. of us yep. have been Very here too so. uh amanda who would you say me mama hands down I just appreciate her shtick. Oh, she's very she's memorable. So genuine, and I just love it. I've had full of grace. Full of grace. Full of, every time I see any religious thing, <laughs> immediately that pops into my head. See, it's the same with like, me, except for it's the show in full bush line. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I've never know, been very religious, so. But, full. Bush equals crime. <laughs> if your pubic hair causes crime. My favorite part is when the old, the old man puts his hands over. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not that. <laughs> it's when Brendan Sexton goes, it's a pubic hair of a stripper. <laughs> the middle of the arc Because they got the shot of the beer and everybody's tra- like, I don't know what it is, but what I is it. <laughs> My favorite part is when they're it's when, so yeah, when they're at the at where, where they're at the um no 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 what's it the the claw grabber is that his dad's bar the claw machine yeah the claw, yeah. The claw when they're at the claw machine and the dad's talking with Pecker and in their old uh the old guy that always frequents there and they decide to do earmuffs on little uh, little Chrissy and he goes. I hear they show full bush. Show yeah. full bush. <laughs> Every time I see this movie, I laugh out loud hard at that shit right there. That and the pure care of a stripper <laughs> thing. Just got some great, some of my favorite lines of John Waters movies are in this well, movie. Well, that whole scene where they're hamming up the fact that this is a lesbian, these are strippers who are lesbians. It just... Strippers, but it's die. not a lesbian strip. It's right. a lesbian strip club because they're lesbians, right. not, but it's for straight people. But it's for straight guys. And it cracks me up because these chicks walk out and they're just like, what are you looking at? Well, they're straight, like yelling and emasculating, <laughs> yelling and emasculating these guys. What did she say? These beef curtains are what? I can't. What the hell did she say? That we lost it last night watching. These be- beef curtains are flying free, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, these beef curtains are flying free, or whatever. And she's like so gruff about it. It's and she just like doesn't. She just like doesn't care that she's not even trying to be sexy. She's just kind of flopping her lower half around. Yeah, and oh all the guys God. and all the the guys when they start doing the raid on the place for showing full bush and yeah. everyone else, all the guys. Outside going, we want Bush! 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 That was such a hilarious scene. Yeah, I, I gotta say, my favorite character's yeah, gotta, right. gotta be the sister. It's got like every single time she's on, she is that that small town kind of like she's white trashy. Yeah. But she loves her life and doesn't care about how white trashy she is to anybody. She's not hiding it. And every time that they show her at the at the Fudge Palace, and <laughs> she's she, she's announcing uh, all you know, emceeing for all of these uh, strippers, these dudes in jock straps, just basically just barely dancing on yeah. top of this rickety old bar. Again, for the, just flapping their pelvis. Yeah, around. just flapping it around. And the, it, <laughs> she is. She just kills me. Literally kills me every time she's on screen calling, calling everyone Marys. Yeah. And it constantly asking. Got a little in, yeah. Yeah. A little yeah. in your loafers. Yeah. When she's reading the paper, it's like, are you a homosexual? No, I'm not. Well, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. No, that's Martha Plimpton, man. She was usually yeah. not. She usually played like in dramas or at least like very serious kind of characters. I don't think I'd ever seen her do anything like that before. Well, you, as we had talked about before, this was a major coup for John Waters would be to get these actors and actresses to come in and play totally against type. And the thing is, every single one of them would go on afterwards and do nothing but praise John Waters and speak kindly of him because they didn't he didn't push them to do anything they didn't want to do. They were so it was such a nice, happy set on every one of these films 
that this is why there's this continual cast of characters we keep seeing over and over and over again because I kept wanting to come back and be in these movies because they had such a good time doing it. Now, the only one that we had seen in the last few films that wasn't able to come back was Ricky Lake. Yeah. And the reason she's not in this movie is because at the time her show, the Ricky Lake show was big enough that her, the, the producers of the show basically said, no, you can't go do that John Waters movie because mm-hmm. they wanted her to have a different image. So unfortunately, Ricky Lake's not in this. I would have loved to have yeah. seen her in this movie because she was she was definitely missing. Now, some of the other great characters that are in this and great actors and actresses that are in this, we have Mink Stoll again, Lily Taylor, who I've always yeah. loved in just about, and at that time, she was in a lot of really great roles. Um, she plays the, the art gallery agent who f- secretly has a crush on Pecker and tries to le- lead him away, seduce him away from Christina Ricci. How quickly he fumbles in that one moment. Well. <laughs> for the art, Pecker. Okay. <laughs> it's for the yeah. art. It's yeah. for the art. And then, then we have Patricia Hurst coming back. Um, in in a great scene where she she pushes her tits together, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and uh, it just this is another great cast of characters that he's put. And let's let's go ahead and let's let's talk about the story itself. And uh, what do you, what do you guys think of compared to some of the other films we have seen? Probably in the last four or five episodes that we've done this, how did you think that this story and how it was laid out? kind of stacked up against his more mainstream stuff, uh, Seth? I think it was a natural progression. It just feels like a very standard Hollywood production uh, as far as the story goes, of course, you, with the John Waters touch. But, uh, you know, very natural beginning, middle, end. You can almost see where it's going. The characters all get affected in ways you'd expect them to. Uh, Christina Ricci gets to fit in. One of the most amazing lines in all of John Waters' uh, filmography, I think, with I hate modern photography. (laughs) Uh, But it just, you know, it it progresses as you'd expect a typical Hollywood comedy drama to progress. But it works out um, to be a really solid film. Just I don't think it has the a lot of the key moments that John Waters films are known for and really stand out in the memory. So what are some of those you think it was missing? Um, you know, with the, with the close up of the, of the, you know, the Bush, I almost expected that to be raunchier. You know, it just, it felt like he was struggling to, to do John Waters and to do mainstream where it almost felt like it was rated R, but like he was struggling to not make it PG 13. Right. But not right. push the boundaries of the R. Like he was really, restraining himself from making it too raunchy but he wanted to do it and it just felt a little uneven throughout it for me see that's something where i've never thought that about this movie i've never thought it wasn't raunchy enough because we still have scenes where dudes are teabagging other dudes and and we have that full bush scene andrew what have you what do you think about this uh idea that Seth is bringing up this kind of weird juxtaposition that doesn't seem to work between the clean and the, and the raunchy John Waters. Well, no, it is true that uh, John Waters from the later part of his career was really kind of struggling to uh, maintain his identity that he had as a, you know, as, as a cult figure, but make that work in terms of being able to actually get a movie financed and put out and marketed and everything else. You know, he had that period with uh polyester and hairspray and crybaby where it was all of a sudden like well where is he in this you know it's his interest but not necessarily this kind of story that he liked to be telling that we always seen him tell and so um this is um this is seems to be a more there's something kind of personal going on here and i I actually it's the one i watched the most of his later stuff because of that i have some a lot of things I think about when I watch this and I thought about it even more when I saw this one, but it is true because you have the, the storyteller again, like with something like hairspray where he does have a story he wants to tell, but he has to also be John waters as well. And so some of those things could be seen as kind of a forced because in a way 
this is almost a PG-13 movie, except mm-hmm. for when you throw in those things. It's almost like somebody went to the script and went, hey, John waters this up, you know? One thing, too, that I think when I think because I don't find Pecker to be raunchy or uncomfortable for me the way that a lot of early John Waters films are, of course, specifically um, uh, multiple maniacs. But the what I think for me, I guess that's different in this is the tone of the raunchiness feels different somehow. And it's. um certainly consensual you know like when this dude's teabagging the other guys he's the the guy who's on the receiving end of the teabag is loving, like loving every second of it and it's all bummed out when he can't get teabagged no mo and um but in other films and his earlier films a lot of the raunchiness was um based in sexual violence I don't know if right? I agree with that. I think some of it, some of it is, but not all of it. Well, maybe it's because those those scenes were like so jarring to me that that's what I recall. Well, there was but a there lot was of rape lot. in in, in yeah, his early films, right. but yeah, and that's what I also mean. A, a turd in the mail too. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There is a Lest turd in the mail. Forget the turd in the mail. And the same guy but, delivered the FedEx package in Pecker. Oh, I didn't notice that. Same dude. I didn't notice yep. that. So I think that that's probably for me what feels different between this film and earlier John Waters stuff. And again, it's probably just my own discomfort with the sexual violence that takes place with the sexual violence that takes place in um, the early films and some of the um, forceful sex based like stuff, like how how he was really pushing the buttons in the early stuff yeah, where do you yeah. just find this more palatable that's yeah, more that's, your taste? yeah that's what i guess i'm trying to um find the words for is to say that it's more palatable because it seems like all parties involved are enjoying it and it's consensual and it's funny the overall feeling of it is humorous it's it's not trying to push buttons right. i think that i think that's the mm-hmm. distinction that yeah. that you have is that you don't like being pushed and those early john waters films are very confrontational yeah they're that Especially, and intentionally yeah. so i think that was that's some and i think that that's a lot of the confusion because i had this conversation come up when in the conversation that mark and i had about the greasy strangler on the the out or the the bonus episode on the patreon was that i felt the greasy strangler held a lot of the same kind of qualities of an early era john waters film because i didn't find it to be a very like hateful and mean-spirited film because i don't think it was making fun of the characters that were within it it was just showing you archetypes of people that were out of the norm and celebrating that kind of thing and making it the norm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what a lot of John Waters, I feel, is, is, is showing you things that he doesn't feel are strange or are weird. Mm-hmm. And maybe sometimes that, that means it, some of the, the sexual uh, things that may be considered perverse or out of the norm. Um, he was v- much more aggressive about it in his early films, mm-hmm. but I really don't think that there was, there's a huge difference between kind of the, the, the playful nature that he has in like, say a pecker, than the playful nature he had in, a, in pink flamingos. I think it, it yeah. kind of is, well, it is the same humor. It's just, it's, it's just showcased in a, in a different way. And I don't find, I don't find pink flamingos to me doesn't feel it's just you really did it thought multiple multiple maniacs i didn't hate it it just upset me like to my core i couldn't watch it so so pecker was is much more your style uh yeah angelique what do you think of any of this um well i mean there is that is a good point you know this one is gleefully (laughs) sexual it's not like you know you don't have divine getting raped in an alley or sorry on the sidewalk in the middle of the day or by a lobster monster or you know um somebody being sexually assaulted with a barnyard chicken uh, licking a house and making it revolt <laughs> against you you know <laughs> that sort of thing um you know like like 
like she said, you know, so the teabagging, I mean, everybody was really happy about that situation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, The, all the, the dancers, you know, even the, even the full Bush dancer was really happy to be doing what she was doing. Um, All the dudes in the gay bar, really happy about it. it it was it's the tonally i mean this this is a a and i guess in the the best way a john waters movie could be it's a feel-good movie yeah i it's think a it's a celebration it, it, the whole movie feels like a celebration it's all it's a farce though too the, the whole yeah. thing is it, it's supposed to be a very light-hearted mm-hmm. kind of bouncy fluffy movie mm-hmm. but with that john waters streak of well yeah you're going to. Yeah, exactly. The middle finger straight to mm-hmm. straight to everybody that doesn't quite dig Get it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But it's not as over as some of his other films. <laughs> so I tend to agree. This has always been one that I have not really revisited very much. I think maybe because when it came out, I was far more into the early era John Waters stuff. And maybe just my own personal demeanor was far more into the middle finger movies than this you were too hipster at the time no it had nothing to do with hipster it had everything to do with tonally this is this is like you said it's it's kind of a a breezy Mm -hmm. kind of movie and i think for me this one it starts off a little clunky and gets better as it goes along i still feel that way i think the first act of this movie is is a little clunky and while i find it funny I, I still it, it feels like such a tremendous step down from serial mom like that. Just the first act of this movie. I don't know what it is. It just it, it feels like we've stepped backwards in quality as opposed to continuing on the same path. And I think about like once the second act hits, then it hits its stride. Mm-hmm. Well, and serial mom is a movie from John Waters that is starts off with a bang and never lets up the characters are like in full swing within the first 10 minutes you see serial mom calling mink stole a pussy face yeah you know i mean it's like from the very first from the very first moments of that movie it's like okay here we go okay yeah. Whereas with Peckery, it's not necessarily the case. I, I, yeah, I think just some of it, some of the various elements, like I said, Edward Furlong at first feels really clunky to me. And it, it also breathes a lot more in the beginning mm. than some of the other John Waters movies where he like went for the jugu- uh, jugular right away, like Serial Mom or Desperate Living mm-hmm. and stuff like that, where he just like, he grabbed you by the scruff of the neck and made you forced your face down into that comedy. And this one feels like it builds and it builds. And while I wouldn't say this is one of my favorite John Waters movies, I do enjoy it. I think there's a lot of really funny shit in this movie. Angelique, where would you kind of place this? Do you, do you find this to be a good one or is there anything that bothers you about this one? No, nothing bothers me about it. I just, you know, it's not, like I said, it's a good movie, but it's not one that I've ever had that real desire to watch like some of the other ones. It kind of is like, oh, yeah, he did that one, too. Well, why not? Let's watch it. Right, right. Andrew, you had made reference to that this makes you think about a lot of things. What does this kind of spark in your mind when you're watching it? Well, I love this movie like of his his second half or later era stuff this one's my favorite this is the one i watch the most i think this one's the funniest it's because it's not goofy and it seems like he was actually had a movie that he wanted to make it feels more indie than anything since probably desperate living but yeah, I, I also think because of that um you know and he was able to survive for you know 70s 80s 90s and 2000s so um he did that from not from you know an accident he just kept reinventing what he was doing and i loved the path that he was kind of on with this one but um no i i think just seeing going with the idea that this might be some kind of an inadvertent commentary uh, uh, on what happened to the Dreamlanders and some of maybe some of his feelings that he might have had about uh, Divine being dead and had they not become famous, would Divine have lived? I start thinking about that when I watch this. And I know that probably he doesn't mean that. I know that nobody else but me probably thought that. But it has a kind of like a heaviness for me 
that I find just like super interesting. And it's kind of, you know, it's hard to not see it as kind of a comment on uh, maybe the fan perception of what happened to him and, you know, in his career. I think that's a that's a good point to bring up because there was a interview um, that I had read of John Waters where I believe it was Patricia Hurst was being asked about what it was like to be on the set of Pecker. And she had said that um, during the course of a film, uh, John Waters is kind of a control freak about his own life. He's not a spontaneous kind of person. Every single day he has he has like uh, law cards that tell that where he has everything that he's going to do during the day mapped out. And it's it's how he like he needs that order in his life. And uh, on the set, he's kind of the same way. And she had said that during the final scene in this movie where Pecker has decided, you know, he didn't like what the New York art scene were doing to him and his family and how it was changing his life. And he didn't really like that. He decided to take it back and start showcasing his artwork at his dad's bar. And uh, all of a sudden, all of these people that were taking advantage of him and using him were being shown for who they were in his artwork. And they kind of let loose and let go. And you have this bar sequence where all, you know, the um, the lesbian strippers are going nuts and all of the the gay strippers are are dancing around and teabagging the art, the art dudes. And and uh, Patricia Hearst is having a great time and everyone's going nuts. And supposedly Patricia Hearst looked over at John Waters and he was just grinning from ear to ear watching this go on. And uh, she said it was one of the first times she had seen him like that on any of the, the movies that she had been on with him. And John Waters heard this and, and made reference to that if this bar was real, that he had seen in these people, that he would have been there every single day of his life. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, Andrew, you're, you're, you're say, what you're saying is really true. Because I think you know, this very much is like, what if he would have just stayed doing what he was doing before? Would, would that mean that all of the people that he loved would have still been with him and he'd still be making art with them today? I don't see how once you kind of posit that, how you cannot think that when you see this movie because <laughs> of his jaunt into, you know, studio filmmaking for a couple of movies and how, you know, quickly after the first failure, uh, he was, you know, back to where he was before you know I, I i just don't think it's i can't watch this now and not think that particularly in this particular round when uh we have watched all of his movies in order i i couldn't i thought about it the whole time i was watching it yeah it's really hard not to find the subtext of it even though you know kind of like some other directors where there is a, me- a uh, an underlying message to the film and you're aware of it but the director doesn't want to let you in on that they want to keep that stoic yeah. kind of no i this is just a movie i wrote this, is, <laughs> this has nothing to do with my life when you know he he is getting some stuff out he really yeah. is and i, I dig that because he doesn't do that and so it's great and i don't need all his movies to be the same you know right no and they definitely aren't and i think the next two movies we'll be talking about very much are are completely different than some of the stuff that we've kind of gotten used to with him especially cecil b demented very different very very different but but this one i i i gotta say there is kind of a big gleefulness to the entire film it is kind of light and breezy and fun and uh I enjoyed this. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Would I say that it's as good as some of the other ones? I don't know. I don't know. I think after rewatching this, I watched it twice in the last week. I think it's something I'm going to be popping on more. I think I think I'm kind of like a little miffed at myself all these years for not. <laughs> and maybe it's a, just a matter of maybe I just needed to get to a point in my life where I looked at things a little bit differently. And kind of appreciated John Waters a little more subtle films. Not that so, it's hard to say that Pecker is a subtle film. <laughs> but, but it's a comment on irony, to, right? And we, that's something you and I talk about a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Very much so. So what you're saying is you're going to be giving John Waters Pecker a chance. 
<laughs> I will. I will be. I will be looking at John Waters Pecker much more in the future. Much more closely. Much more closely in the future, I'll be looking at his pecker. <laughs> Spectacular. <laughs> but I think you know, I, as we grow as people, you know, I think our our tastes do change. You know, so it's this is a movie. I I feel that should be given an, a second chance it, it, to, by the people that have kind of dismissed this as is lower tier John Waters, I think are doing it a great disservice. Do I think it's perfect? No, but I do think it's a movie that, that is fun. And if you're a fan of John Waters films, I don't know how you couldn't have fun watching this Mm -hmm. movie. Uh, Amanda, ultimately, what do you, what do you think? Is this one of your more favorite ones? Yeah, it is. It is. I really like it. Like I said, it feels, it feels like raunchy, silly John Waters without being so heavy and, um, insulting to, I guess, my own, some of my personal hangups. You know, it just is goofy and funny, and the characters to me are relatable because I feel like it, like I know that I know Mima. I've met Mima. I think we've met I've everyone met, yeah, that's in this film. I've met Mima. I've met Pecker. I've met all these people in my life, and so it, it's pretty relatable. Right. Well, I, I, th- I think, and this is what made me kind of warm up to it is that. Uh, all of the characters in this community feel like small town people. Yeah. They feel like people I would know. Right. Especially the home people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I really like it. Yeah. It's in my top. It's in my top. Awesome. Well, that's definitely interesting. Uh, Angelique. Um, Not at the top, but nowhere near the bottom. I mean, I, I kind of feel like you, like I should have given this one, you know, more of a fair shake. I might watch it again. You never know. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a real striking <laughs> recommendation there. I mean, it's not, it's not a... Hey, I'm sorry, man. I'm in the laundromat watching people pee into dryers. Oh, okay. <laughs> can we hump dryers? Yeah, can we talk about that dude humping oh, that dryer? Hurry up before my corners run out. Take my picture. Right. Take my picture. Yeah. Take a picture of this. <laughs> Oh my God, that scene kills me. Like, here's here's Christina Ricci trying to be all serious about, hey man, you're changing. Don't become an asshole. And then you have this dude trying to get Becker's attention. Hey, take my picture. And he's humping a fucking. <laughs> but, but don't you think, dude, that after John Waters' movies come out and became popular, he had weird motherfuckers coming up to him going, like, put me in your movie and do some weird shit, like eat dog shit in front of him. Can I be in your new movie? I'm sure. I, I'm so sure, you know, and, and I think, you know, once you posit that idea that this it really does kind of mirror a lot of his kind of life arc with with making movies, you do start seeing more and more things in there that I'm sure are, are super true about, you know, the moment they get back from uh, New York City, their house gets robbed mm-hmm. and everyone's like, hey, you're rich now. So I'm sure he had a lot of so people entitled, coming after him. I'm entitled to, to ask you or take what I want. Yeah. Yeah. So it has, has to. Absolutely. Seth, ultimately, what do you think? Uh, you know, I like it. I think it's a good movie. Um, I think it's going to be, I think John Waters Pecker is going to be a grower, not a shower for me. <laughs> I see Gordy like that one. Nah, uh, I definitely am going to give it, you know, more frequent while the, this is my first time watching it, but I'm definitely going to pop it in the rotation. And uh, I think there's enough that I like about it to really latch on to and give it future opportunities. I, I love the characters in this movies and a handful of scenes are really great. Um, I just think a subsequent viewings will work better as a whole for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is definitely a movie that gets better over time. I think it, it's really stayed the course where some other films of this era of the late nineties comedies and stuff just haven't held up. I, I was very surprised. I was a little timid walking into this one. Like I was excited to watch it cause I hadn't seen it in years, but I just do remember that initial viewing back in the day when it came out and me being so like thoroughly crushed, not thinking it was very funny. It's way less nineties than serial mom. Oh, big time. Absolutely. And it does feel like an indie flick. It really does like an indie flick of that era where there's an earnestness to it. So I think this is like most of his films have kind of shown us 
he was far ahead of the curve with with what he was trying to communicate and the movies he was making. And unfortunately, this movie was, as we had said, it was another bomb. It was like the third straight bomb he had made where the I, I believe the budget of this was like six to eight million and it only made two million back at box office i really think the idea of john waters is what a lot of the the a major part of the fandom for him is you know the the character of john waters and this idea of him from his most successful or most visible or from okay his studio movies you know right if it didn't well, look like a this... crybaby people weren't gonna go right well at this point in his career as we had kind of alluded to in the last episode, he wasn't just a filmmaker anymore. He was writing books. Mm -hmm. He was going on comedy tours. So yeah. And he was a photographer as well. He was no longer just this renegade filmmaker making weird stuff. He was, he was a public figure. So obviously he was no longer someone on the periphery. And there are, when that happens, preconceived notions of what you're making are, are going to derail most people's opinions, you know, on, on what it is you're making. So I, I, he's kind of, he had to walk a double-edged sword, I'm sure with a lot of this stuff. And unfortunately, most people just didn't get it. Myself included, to be honest, because I, I gave, Pe I gave John Waters Pecker a hard ride. And oh, did, and did, God. And did. <laughs> And I, I, it's too bad. It's too bad because I, I really think, you know, there's a lot of spirit in this one. I love it. It's, it's going to be something I watch more and more and more. So, so Andrew, we, we know you love this one. Where would you place this one in, uh, in the Pantheon and all the films that we've watched so far? Oh, it's definitely, this is definitely top five for me, for sure. Um, I just, I guess because of my brushes with um, uh, the, as you know, the professional entertainment world, be it my days as a band where I've talked on your podcast about having looked down the barrel of being signed to a subsidiary of a major record label and not doing that to all the times I rub elbows now uh, in my professional life as a journalist with people in the um, entertainment world and just constant reaffirming that I do not want to be there and that I am happiest doing things artistically the way that I'm doing them. Pecker to me just speaks on multiple levels, not just as a fan of John Waters and his history, but uh, as an artist myself, I, and plus it's just so goddamn hilarious this movie so i mentioned earlier a lot of my favorite john waters like lines the funniest lines to me are all said in this one it's not it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel by the numbers it doesn't feel like he's doing what is expected of him he's this is one of those rare times where he went back to just making the kind of thing he wanted to make and i know he had to get money from somewhere so there is a degree of compromise and we'll never know what he might have just made of his own. But um, this is one of the most fascinating movies in its catalog for sure. Can you believe it, folks? We only have two John Waters movies left. Does that kind of bring a, a tear to your eye a little bit? It does to me because I'm thinking I'm not going to like them as much as I used to. Mm. Well, after after this episode, I'm actually really excited to watch the last Maybe two to see the last two with a different i'm gonna have fun talking about cecil be demented with you i can see that happening <laughs> i haven't been back to those in years those two i yeah well like pecker i haven't watched or well, at least uh cecil be demented i have not watched that since it initially came out so i don't even i don't even have an opinion on it anymore because i don't even remember it so you will so yeah i'm a little depressed only have Two movies left of this, mm -hmm. but I have decided today oh, that we are going to do an epilogue episode uh, after we do A Dirty Shame. In episode 10, I believe 103, we're going to do Lust in the Dust. Yeah. So, oh, that's going to make me happy as hell, man. So we will have three episodes left. That's Less great. Than the, Amanda's giving me a very strange look right now. Why are you giving me such a strange look? I've never even heard of Lust in the Dust. Lust in the Dust is oh. a Paul Bartel movie he made with Divine before Divine died. Because sure. John Waters didn't want to direct a movie he didn't write. It's the only reason why he didn't direct that movie. Oh. 
I like the um, title "Lust in the Dust." Well, it's, it's a good. western, so so we'll be doing "Lust in the Dust" coming up, and uh, yeah, we're almost done, folks. Thanks for sticking with us for over a year doing all these John Waters episodes. So uh, this is the portion of the show where my guests shamelessly show the fuck out of you. So, Seth, why don't you tell my listeners where they can find you outside of Astro Radio Z? You can find me at uh, Celluloid Terror on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and uh, Celluloid Terror on Blogspot for all sorts of horror and exploitation reviews. Angelique Bone. You can find me on Facebook. Not that hard to find. Uh, you can also find me uh, on an Astro Radio Z family podcast, The Film Jerks. Uh, next episode, we're going to stick our chopsticks into Kung Pao, enter the fist. So that's exciting. Um, you can also find some reviews by myself and some other funny cats at thelosthighway.com. Mr. Andrew Shearer. I always thought the enter the fist was weird because the fist enters you. Huh? Yes. Right. Um, my, my ladies and gentlemen, my my friends and I make movies here in Athens, Georgia, under the banner of Gonzarific, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. You can find uh, our stuff on YouTube for free. You can find us for a small rental fee on Amazon On Demand. Our movies we have there are Fake Blood, Pajama Nightmare, The Underground Cinema, Cinema with an S, and the latest Late Night Cable. And if you like physical media, you can go to gonzorific.com and buy stuff like Dr. Humbenstein's Erotic Castle, Dollface, and uh, what's that other one? It escapes me. Oh, The Erotic Couch. Well, folks, I hope you've enjoyed this lovely episode. Uh, on the Facebook group today, I decided to throw my hat into the ghoul summer ring. And I am putting it to you, Astro Zombies, to vote for what horrible ghoul movie I'm going to watch for our ghoul summer episode coming up in July. If you're not familiar with what ghoul summer is, is a tradition started by uh, Mike Dick of kissing contest and the boys at uh, junk food dinner, who you guys have heard uh, Parker come on my show before um, they do ghoul summer episodes every year where they sit and watch the most morally bankrupt, disgusting, disturbing movies they possibly can find. This year, I'm throwing my hat in the ring, and I'm going to do one episode where, depending on what you guys want me to do, I will talk about that movie or those movies. So go to uh, the Astro Radio Z Facebook group. Join in the poll. So far, it looks like everybody wants me to do the Traces of Death series. And that kind of yep. kill that kind of kills me a little bit inside of my heart. But that's that I guess is the point of Ghoul Summer. Well, that's the, the only ones I haven't watched. I've seen all those other ones I've never wanted to see. I'm too much of a pussy to watch those. Oh my god. It's been a joke between Corey Udler and I because he found all of a sudden it just like out of the blue in his office a box set of Traces of Death. DVDs. Badass. Yeah, somebody put that out. Oh god, it wasn't brain damage, was it? I don't know who it was, but I'm sure it was somebody just left it in his office. I'm sure it was Blade Braxton. I'm sure he left it there. (laughs) I freaking love those movies. But he's been telling me what's that? I love those movies. (coughs) Excuse me? Yeah, I love them. Oh my gosh, Angelique. Oh my gosh. Well, then you're coming on that Ghoul Summer episode if I have to do these goddamn Traces of Death movies. <laughs> All right. You're going to come on that damn episode. Okay. But uh, everybody, go over to the Facebook group and vote, add on, put whatever horrible ghoulish movie you want me to watch for that episode up on there, and everyone will vote. And in the next month, I'll make the decision as to what horrible disgusting thing i'm going to watch for ghoul summer this year and it's already been said by daniel edenfield that he's looking forward to hearing my misery (laughs) that should be i told him that should be the tagline for astro radio z hear my misery so that's not that's not why i want to hear it i just i'm curious but don't want to actually watch it i also said on on the facebook group isn't most of my show ghoul summer anyway it is. I do a lot of. I was surprised to see you pushing a ghoul summer show today because I thought, isn't that just kind of what it is? All you think about? everything I watch is ghoul summer? Wow. 
You think I watch nothing but ghoul movies? It's a ghoul, ghoul summer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we share a house. I'm familiar with your movie catalog. Oh, my God. Well, anyways, go do that, folks, and anticipate the next witchcraft episode coming up soon. I'm going to drop a hint. I've seen the three movies. Uh, <laughs> that's not a Homer Simpson. That good? That's a Glenn. That's a Glenn. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, that sounds more like your soul leaving your body. It is my soul leaving my body. So look forward to that, folks. Coming up soon, the last witchcraft episode, hopefully forever. Well, the last one I'll ever fucking do. I'll tell you that right now. So thanks for listening and have a good night. Yeah, I can smile when I ain't got no money. <laughs> Happy go lucky me. You can find Astro Radio Z on it iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, YouTube, and anywhere that podcasts are found. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and email us questions, concerns, or just general chatter at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. Coming from me, Derek Carey, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Happy go lucky me. <laughs>